I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Uh, welcome back to the Vora Breakdown podcast, me, Johnny, Dana and Elliot. Um, we've just got off the mic, we're speaking with Ollie from the Tilehurst End podcast, um, who is a Redham fan of course, um, we've been getting a lot of insight from that, but let's start off Dana and Elliot. Um, let's chat about Stork first before we talk about Nottingham Forest. Um, who should I start with first? Um, go on, Elliot, I'll start off with you. Um, Stork on, on Friday, 1-0 win, scored early doors. Was it a, a comfortable performance or was it quite poor in your eyes? Um, there wasn't an awful lot to it. Um, there, was a, there was a goal and I can't remember much else. It wasn't even because I drank much alcohol either. It was just there were genuinely... it was. A really boring game. I don't remember um, one shot. That's all I can remember. Yeah, um, I think it was a chance uh, when I nipped out in the loo and it went over the bar, and I was quite gutted that I'd missed one of the only three chances in the game. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, it just seemed to just play out, and both teams didn't maybe seem too bothered. But it's obviously just the you know two of the lowest scoring teams in the league. Um, I won my bet on under two point five on Borough, but Leeds let me down. Um, so yeah, I think it was always going to play out that way, but. You know, there's got to be some more initiative, I think, from both teams. I think we certainly had more to play for than them. Um, they're languishing, I think, what was it, 15th, 16th? They've got nothing really to play for. Um, but, you know, weighed out for the fans on, uh, you know, Good Friday. Thought it might be a bit of a better game, but it was pretty poor quality overall, yeah. I thought. It wasn't, were you a bit surprised, um, Dan, by, by Stork in, in general? Just because the amount of quality that they have in the team and how poor they actually were. Did that surprise you a little bit? Yeah, I think it's kind of surprised me all season, but, you know, there's always a team or two that come down from the Premier League and kind of struggle a little bit. I know they did have uh, Gary Rowett, which I think, in hindsight, was obviously the, the wrong appointment. Um, you know, I think to... It's, it's kind of a little bit like Gary Monk. I was, I was thinking that, yeah, yeah. Kind of having all Parallel this talent. Yeah, definitely. You know, when you have all that talent and, you know, the manager doesn't quite know what to do with it. I mean, we were looking at them before the game um, on the last podcast and, you know, they've 
Benekafobi is like their top scorer with what was it eight goals or something, mm. which is obviously less than our top scorer, which is really surprising to me because Benekafobi is a is a good player and they've they've got some, you know, I'd say Premier League quality players, if not like obviously not top end, probably like bottom end, but you know still Premier League quality players and yeah, it is a surprise. Um, but like I said, there's always that team or two that do that. Yeah, I was, I was actually really surprised and I couldn't believe like Benekafobi missed an absolute sitter in the I think it was the second half as well as he does yeah. when he got a corner. He's, Glanced it wide and he glanced it wide for about five yards. And was, I can't believe it. Should have really. I think it was when you were still downstairs in the concourse, I was just finishing your beer off, um, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, <laughs> but there, there was one player that stood out um, in that performance, and, and that was uh, Paddy McNair. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Um, it was. Would you say it was best performance? Well, I was going to say is it his best performance of the season, but I've only seen him twice, so it's. Uh, <laughs> Um, but do you think we should probably look into him more next season, Elliot? Is is he a player that could be used a little bit more, well, be a bit bit more of an important figure? Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought he played quite well as well, considering he was playing centre back and he what he was, you know, getting forward a bit and he was offering a lot in attack. Um, and I think that would have happened naturally because he he's been plays in the centre midfield position when he's playing for Northern Ireland, and that's where he's played a lot for for Sunderland as well. And um, whenever he got games for United back in the day, but. Yeah, um, I think definitely next season um, with his age, we should be looking to build the squad around. I know a few people not, wouldn't really not admit it, but in a sense, maybe not build a team around McNair and, and Fletcher. But it's probably going to have to be the case. You know, we can't go out and get a whole fifteen squad worth of players. You know, maybe we're going to be getting you know, six, seven, eight, maybe. Um, but build around some of these younger players because um, Dana sent something to to me and you earlier. At, earlier Johnny um, about the average age of our squad and at least over two thirds of them must 20, have been over 20 29 29 yeah so, in the championship. yeah um, so we need to kind of move on from that and, and look to you know blood in some younger players um, we do have obviously a few there we have um, Tav McNair um, Fletcher um, a few are probably around the 25 and 26 mark as well um, but look to you know build on that and use them as kind of a you know, forefront for starting it all really. I feel like a lot of those defenders are well, as well are around that age and you know there's a, a kind of opportunity that there for, for Paddy McNair next season if if the likes of you know Ayala has his usual you know pre-January injury then you know he can step in so um, I don't quite know what the situation will be next season in terms of defenders whether you know they'll all still be there whether we'll kind of move players on I'm not sure I mean it depends on their wages I suppose but you know, there's an opportunity there for Paddy McNair and, and I definitely think that he, he should be one next season that we kind of um, play more regularly because he is at the age where um, he might be coming into his own a little bit and, um, you know, we paid the money for him so we may as well go and, you know, yeah. use him appropriately. Yeah, I agree. I think he should definitely be part of the squad next year um, and definitely get a chance as well because I was actually really impressed with his performance on, on, on the Friday. Um, but do you think, uh, Els, or I don't know, whoever wants to answer it, is, do you think the three wins um, that we had, do you think that kind of papered over the cracks a little bit and the underlying issues that we've had? I'm going to obviously going to come up with Notts Forest in a second, but do you think those three wins really did paper over the cracks to an extent? Yeah, I, I definitely do. And I think um, particularly in that whole game, we were really lucky to come come away with a win in that. Some of the chances that Hull had, I don't, I don't know, they didn't score. Um, the game before, you know, it's a bit difficult to say when you're going to already relegated Bolton, um, you know, pulling off a, a Tony Pulis Masterclass 2-0 win before half-time. Um, it wasn't overly that impressive um, in both 
kind of all the games really. I thought the whole game was a little bit exciting. Like I say, we were lucky to come away with it, but <laughs> yeah, people might look at it on kind of abstractly and say, "Oh, well, three wins on the bounce." But when you take the games individually, it wasn't that impressive. Um, and we got to a team, you know, Nottingham Forest, who are, you know, they've got nothing much to play for. Um, you know, it's not a happy hunting ground for us anyway. But we made an average side look like Real Madrid. Um, the, the way they played past us was well I was going to say I've got a couple of stats yeah. we, we had no shots in the game which was standard um, and we they had 67% possession of the football um, appreciate you don't always like read too much into possession because it doesn't mean anything um, appreciate like, you can have the ball you can have 99% of the possession and still get beat 1-0 you know what I mean it, it doesn't really matter but there was no real intent um, Dana when Middlesbrough punished would you say uh, for being a bit too defensive Especially when we had no real fit defenders as well, and we we set up with that way as well. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's ridiculous to me. I mean, I don't. I just don't get it. I really just don't get it. Why? You know, we have British Sam Malonga there, who seems to cave every single time he comes up against Nottingham Forest. I mean, under Gary Monk, I can't remember the amount of chances he missed against yeah. them, but um, absolutely ridiculous. And I, th- I think the the issue for me with that game was. I mean, to be honest, um, <laughs> with our record at the City Ground, I felt as though we kind of lost before a ball was kicked. I know mm. that's probably the you know inner pessimist coming out, but um, the application was just—I just didn't get it. Like mm. it all—it almost felt as though the roles were reversed, and Forest were the team, you know, with the incentive of like a playoff spot, and Borough were kind of just coasting mid-table. It was just—I just didn't understand, like. What, what we were trying to do I mean yeah we, we got punished by um, you know <laughs> Joe Carvalho had a, a really good game we were talking about him um, in the podcast before that he's only he's been on the not, not utilised under Matt O'Neill he doesn't, he doesn't see him as a as a player he wants at the city ground next season even though he, was, he was absolutely brilliant as well yeah. he screams a little bit like Tony Pulis if you're creative you're out but um, <laughs> yeah Mike and Breath yeah, yeah. like that but um, yeah I was just I was kind of furious to be honest and um, just one of those games that you look back on and you think why do, why do, why do we bother as, <laughs> as fans like it's it's it just it's so demoralising and especially um, the fans who, who went down there you know props to them but um, to, to go watch that um, it's just awful isn't it and like the goals um, you know two really great taken goals um, the second and third the first one you know I don't know what Ryan Sean was doing but yeah, it, it it was just a calamity of errors and, and poor play, wasn't it, really? It makes it worse that Derby won as well. That game was on, I think, the, yeah. uh, the red button yeah. on Sky, and I was watching it, and yeah, they got a late penalty. They got very, very lucky with that penalty as well. That was yeah. never in a million years a penalty, but mm-hmm. I think on average and on the play, I think they probably should have won the game anyway. Um, but I was just going to say, uh, before I move on, like the next question is, do you think the players have kind of stopped playing now a little bit? Um, they've looked at the other sides in the playoff, but playoff positions and thought can we really overcome overcome them in, in, in the next two or three games um, and kind of went oh well if, if Tony's off from the end of the summer um, do we do we take the foot off the gas a little bit more and let, essentially let him leave I don't think we've stopped playing I think we're just not good enough like yeah. as soon as we have a team with a player that can kind of cut you open like you know with Joe Carvalho and Joe Lolly that kind of 
um, technical players. You know, you've got the likes of Aidan Flint, who was left on his ass, and I'm really not surprised <laughs> about it because he, you know, he's got the turning speeds of, of, of an articulated lorry, so it doesn't really <laughs> surprise me. To be I hope he's not listening to this. That'd be funny. But no, I mean, it, I just don't think that we're good enough, and you know, I, I really don't think it's a case of Borough stop playing. I just think that teams kind of found us out. They know how to play kind of around us and as soon as you kind of get a little bit of pace up against us then that's pretty much game over mm. I, I wouldn't say like, the, the squad's not, not good enough to an extent it's been the playoff position for the majority of the season and I think kind of rightly so to an extent it's a hard team hard to break down um, you're grinding out results that's all what the championship's all about um, I just don't good I think, I think to maintain it though do you think we'll get, I mean I think well, if if the players were good enough to maintain it they wouldn't be playing the championship um, the best players, the players in the were world. If we good enough to maintain it, we'd still be in the playoffs. Well, yeah, and uh, what I was going to say was like the players that are at the top of the game um, are the ones that are most consistent. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think we have the amount of consistency in the team throughout. But also, it's very, very. You can only grind out results for a certain period of time. Um, you have to perform essentially, and it's very difficult to do that when. You're not setting up to win. You're setting up not to get yeah. beat every week. Um, so for, it's a different 40, 46 games of trying to grind out is like it's just crazy. It's, I think teams do it towards the end when they're trying to get over the finishing line. Mm. Um, but you know, you think about us with the season we went up. We we went and performed. Like think about going to Bristol City when they were you know unbeaten and we went and won their three 0 Like stuff like that is going and literally turning it up, turning the heat up, and absolutely blowing teams away. And I, I don't, I don't think we've ever done it this season we, we, we've never going to I think it was just about grinding out and it's quite hard to do it isn't it because I think it's it's every game going in and you think well unless this other team is really poor quality which is most of those wins have came against against the likes of Ipswich and QPR and Bolton and teams like that um, mm. we've been found out a little bit so I think we, we do have the championship quality though we mm. we, we have it we, that, that squad has championship quality written all over it oh, yeah, like, yeah. it should it should be where we are Like we should be fighting for those positions we, we're not like Stoke who have quality in abundance but they're just not utilising it and I think like, they're not utilising it because they can't be bothered um, we work hard and don't get me wrong we probably have put in one of the best running stats in the league but the reason why we have the best running stats in the league is because we're defending for so long we're chasing the ball all the time and then we have to run up the pitch because no one else is up there um, I feel like we're content with doing that. I feel like we're more content with sitting back and kind of defending the lead. They're going to add to it further, mm-hmm. which, as a fan, obviously, I mean, if it if it kind of works, if we do grind out the result, then fair enough. But I mean, I just would love us to see. I would just love to see us get that. At least try to get that extra, you know, that next goal, and we just never seem to. We just seem to sit back and further, further, further mm-hmm. back every passing minute. Well, let's let's move on. I've got a question by Papa uh, McGurk. Um, I absolutely love that Twitter handle, by the way. Just wait, what is it? It's Papa McGurk. Um, <laughs> it's I absolutely love it. Um, but he, he, they ask, um, what would you what would you rather have, um, A or B? And the answer A is playoff position, um, Pulis to extend for another year, um, or would you rather have seventh um, and Pulis mutually leaves and we rebuild? Um, for next season by the look of your faces I know you want plan A um, no, what, 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 what would you prefer in a sense like, is, I, I did I was having this conversation on Twitter last week um, I got called a clown essentially for wanting to peel this out but it was just like more it wasn't me like 
saying, oh yeah, I want Tony to be aggressive about it. It was just more or less of like the long-term strategy. If, if Pulis got us up uh, this year, he has the full right to be have an extension for next season and take us into the Premier League. That is just like that's also right. He's experiencing that. He's never been relegated as manager, um, which to- which uh, Klopp actually has. If that's a fun fact, uh, um, but Tony's never been uh, relegated as manager. He's experienced. He, he does exceptionally well with teams in the Premier League um, to keep them there and establish them. So. But for long term, I can't see him being like an, a good asset anymore um, as being a manager. But um, what would you what would you prefer? Um, would you like to have the playoffs this year, or uh, would you would you just like to finish seventh, cut ties with Pulis, and rebuild for next year? I'd go for B. I think because um, I think Borough need to rebuild. Um, quite frankly, I mean, from kind of our perspective looking in, it seems as though the you know there does need to be a little bit of a rebuild we've spoke about it so many times like internally there needs to be changes at Middlesbrough and um, you know Tony Pulis you know the managerial position is part of that change so for me um, I mean to be fair for a lot of the season I was on the fence about Tony Pulis because I was thinking you know if we do go up I do kind of I would be more kind of open to him um, sticking in charge and trying to keep us in the Premier League but um kind of with the results that have kind of gone on and as the season has progressed I've kind of gradually got more and more towards the side of Tony Pulis leaving so for me it would just be B you know to yeah. rebuild yeah it's a bit of a, a bit of a catch 22 isn't it I feel like we, we've mentioned it a bit um this kind of question and for me yeah that'd take option B um as well um I know it seems kind of weird because you know why would you turn down a place in the playoffs and you know a potential thing of going up but I think the I think the club needs to, and I think I think they are, and I think they're looking at this whole situation. Obviously, with the um, the parachute payments not being involved next year, um, I know people could argue and say, "Well, if we get up, we've got the money um, again." But it's one of them we don't want to become a bit of a yo-yo team. Um, I feel like if we go up, we'd, we'd be one of the favourites to come back down. I think I know. I know we keep saying it, it sounds like a broken record, but. Um, to start a project um, like what we were just talking to Ollie um, about um, from the Tilehurst podcast um, about you know starting a project with a manager with a clear goal and definition um, style of play and then build a team around it with that with you know players who are who have genuine quality about them but potential um, I know the club are trying to build towards that model in terms of trying not to get the the ready-made player. Um, of going out and signing like you know players for seven million and five million signing players for and we essentially did it under under um, Tony Mowbray anyway didn't we were signing a Dorma for five hundred k and Ayala I know we didn't make much profit George, on either of them George but Friend. and George Friend you know what I mean I know they haven't left in a sense we didn't make <clears> a profit but the value that we got out of them over the years was you know incredible um, for the players that they turned into be you know if you signed if we signed someone for two hundred k now because we probably haven't in a while people will look and be like. Oh, well, he's not going to be very good. But, you know, you wouldn't look back and say that about... I mean, we might have said it this season about Friend, but overall, his tenure at um, Middlesbrough has you know, left really lasting memory on people. So I think we do need to move towards that model. And I think it wouldn't be able it wouldn't be able to happen if we to get promoted. It'd be all over again. We'd, we'd, spend, we'd either go crazy and spend again to try and stay in the league and it could all capitulate and put ourselves in more financial difficulties. And it's hard, isn't it? Because it's, it's like not wanting your team to go up. For the, just for the sake, like kind of for the better, you know, lifespan of the club. But 
give it a thing long term really I guess yeah well the, I was going to pick up on what you said it was like in terms of like more of like a goal um, the goal will always be the Premier League the, yeah. if we win the Championship and the reason why Plan A kind of works is well the 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 A, A answer from that tweet is that works because it, the goal is to get to the Premier League essentially um, and if Tony Pulis can establish you in the Premier League then you have more of a chance to to kind of establish yourself but then also put a, a long term goal in place um, and how you want to play um, appreciate what we don't short term like the next year might be horrendous if we were in the Premier League if we stayed up though but then like long term um, we could actually he could probably cut ties with us and say right I'm done now like you can build on what you've done I just think what would be, be hard about that is the type of signings that Tony Pulis would bring in um, if we were to get promoted would be completely different to then what we would look to go and get so I think even if he, you know, if he was to cut ties if we stayed up after a season the squad would need a full kind of overhaul again type of thing um, which we'd probably have to spend in the first season to stay up so I think if you already got that team and go up with it and you're signing players already who fit that mould um, it's better in the long run because I think I'm trying to think of an example like I guess well, Fulham in a, spend, in a sense spending that amount of money or even well, we, know, we spent a lot when we went up um, yeah. like so Burnley they've kept I won't say they've kept the, the same team that we got promoted with but they've kept their foundations yeah. and they've established themselves that's what I mean and that's what, like, the point I think was I think I was trying to make I, I think with Pierce Tony Pulis obviously I know he has signed some you know, younger players and whatever Paddy McNair or whatever but um, notoriously you know the types of players that he's going to go and sign we'll, we'll go up and we'll sign like Peter Crouch or something um, or you know something daft like that and Charlie Adam yeah Charlie Adam and you're just going to you just think like what where is you know this team going and you think it could leave you worse off because um, I mean the squad now is in a, a pretty bad situation anyway um, especially when injuries hit in terms of you know lacking cover in, in many um, key areas you know centre attacking midfield all of the four wide positions. Um, so, you know, if, he, if he's still going to continue with that model of signing centre forwards, centre mids, and centre backs, you know, where does that squad leave you when, if somebody else was to come in? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's a bit of a catch 22, yeah, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's, 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 a bit, it's a bit hard to, like, kind of. I think it's harder to know what, the, right. what the, the club want as well, because I feel like you say, I think the club would want A, because at the end of the day, it's bringing money into it, isn't it? Because. Um, that's bringing revenue in a lot of revenue in um, for the club which could not even just go towards transfers but go towards improving the stadium the training facilities um, you know potentially getting more staff members in um, whether that be coaches and analysts and physiotherapists and, and whatever so yeah, I think I think as fans maybe going out on a limb maybe that more people would want B um, obviously the club overall I think it would be A but Fair enough. Um, next question was, uh, was uh, from my mate uh, Chris uh, Dickinson. Obviously, I've mentioned him a few times, um, ex-pro. Um, but he asked us a question, and it's quite funny actually because we've got this question quite a lot um, over like, the last couple of weeks. Um, and he asks, uh, since Karanka, um, since Karanka left, why have we only taken steps back? Um, the money in which we've spent um, has been on players that haven't suited our style essentially. Um, especially type of Pulis Pulis has brought players in um, and just hasn't fit his style of play at all but can you understand why uh, we spent those money on those players um, and have we taken st- uh, steps back as a football club yeah I think I think with uh, since going up we've been trying to sign players who are 
are ready-made and even if they're not ready-made we're spending far too much on them no doubt in that you know Ashley Fletcher has been you know improved a lot recently um but you wouldn't think for seven millions worth of improvement do you know what I mean it's, it's not kind of you know if you sign this one for seven million you expect them to be maybe a starter in the, in the championship team be performing really well um but he's only played a handful of games towards this back end of the season but we were trying to sign ready-made players and, and come straight back up um you know, coming down, and I know it obviously shows ambition. You, you you wouldn't want to go down and be like, okay, we're only going to spend ten million, but it's just wrong signings, um, and not kind of. I think at the time you don't really realise that there's not a clear um, philosophy and style of play, but it's only when you see the chopping and changing that goes on every week. Um, you've seen it with Gary Monk. Um, we've seen it with Tony Pulis. There's been so many formations. You know, how many formations can you think of under Ayrton Karanka? That's, what, that's why it, I think we've yeah. taken a step back, though, yeah. isn't it? Like it's exactly, I mean, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think, um, you know, under Karanka, we had a clear vision, we had a clear philosophy. Even, like, behind the scenes, it was very kind of clear what we were trying to do. And, and you know, since that, we've kind of just, I don't know, it, obviously it's a new era because, you know, Karanka had time. Um, yeah. You know, he, he inherited a squad of, like, you know, Marvin Emnes, Muzzy Carriol, Kai Kamara... Um, you know, other players like Jacob Butterfield, who I completely forgot Justin about. Height. Yeah. Good old Just, Justin Height. Justin. Was he still there? He was still there, like? I think. Well, I it? think so, yeah. Good old Justin. Maybe, Jesus yeah. Christ. Good old Justin. <laughs> I forgot about that. But yeah, well, I he mean. He was still there, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just kind of gone backwards because it's a it's the start of a new era, and it, and it was an era that wasn't allowed to really develop because. You know, kind of, um, you know, Steve Gibson decided midway through the season that he was he, he wasn't going to continue with Gary Monk, and um, you know, it's kind of just gotten progressively worse since that. And you know, it, it goes back to the our argument about you know the rebuild and what needs to be done. I think the the recruitment hasn't been great um, for a while now. Um, you know, going back to probably the promotion season, if I'm being um, maybe a little bit cynical. Um, but certainly, like the Premier League, it's just kind of just you know. I mean, I think Guardiola really like. <laughs> what's he? Guardiola, Bestead, and Bamford. I, th- I think I think that January yeah. on was when it went bad. Um, I think that the summer window was pretty good. Obviously, people are gonna look back now and be like, well, potentially not. But I think up until then, every time we lost a player in a position, or we needed someone in a position, we got them, and they tended to be either equal level of the person leaving or better so for example Lee Tomlin leaving we get Diego Fabrini Diego Fabrini leaving we get Gaston Ramirez it's you know it was still the same position it wasn't like oh we've lost a centre attacking midfielder we're going to go to a 4-4-2 um, it was like you know correct I want to play that 4-2-3-1 um, and you know we're going to go out and get an equally better centre equally or better you know Cam really and I think that was the kind of you know the, the philosophy that happened I think that's why you know, as, as Chris said, I think it's been going downhill since then. Mm. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, obviously, we've, um, we've, I'm going to move on to another question as well because we've had, we've had quite a lot yeah, yeah. Um, today. But the majority of the questions kind of say the same things. Um, I yeah. know you have a question as well in mind. But um, um, Tom Muldowney, he's, he's, it's kind of a it's a difficult question to ask really because a lot of fans get the guard up a little bit. But um, Steve Gibson, um, has he taken the club? as far as he can, Dana? Uh, well, I saw a good tweet that somebody kind of summed it up, um, that Steve Gibson is a millionaire in a billionaire's pay- playground. Um, so, I mean, if you want to kind of <laughs> take that, then 
Maybe. I mean, obviously we don't know. It's just kind of speculation. Again, it's us kind of looking from the outside in. And um, I've always kind of, well, I've said it for a few a few months that maybe Steve Gibson could do with a little bit of help. Um, what that would be, I'm not sure. But um, he has made some, you know, questionable decisions. I mean, with maybe Steve Agnew and then bringing in Gary Monk was maybe I mean if I'm being honest was a was a strange one I thought we'd go for a manager that could maybe you know kind of take the team and and work with it better than Gary Monk did I don't really feel as though Gary Monk fully knew what he was doing I mean yeah. with all the kind of defensive changes that he made and formation changes that probably pretty much confirms that he didn't really know what he was doing um, and then after that to kind of not you either kind of stick or twist really isn't it you then got rid of Gary Monk and then brought in Tony Pulis um, he's wanted Pulis for a while yeah I think you could tell that though couldn't you because it was you know as soon as he became available then you know he kind of pulled the trigger on Gary Monk and went straight in for Tony Pulis but he has made some que- uh, you know, questionable decisions recently which um, kind of raises the question you know does he need help I think it was like a quick fix appointment as well, isn't it? If you're giving someone an 18 month contract, it's like do or die, isn't it? It's like get us up or not. It's not a you know come in Tony and try and implement your your style. We know what your style is already. Come in and get us up. Um, and it, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like we wanted that because we knew we had only had the parachute payments for that long, and we and from a business perspective, the club needed to get back there as soon as possible. Um, and it's looking. Uh, you know, more likely than likely at the moment, that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't. I, in, my, in my opinion, I don't think Steve Gibson has taken the club as far as he can yet. Um, and the things with Steve Gibson, he's a fantastic servant. The club, he's done name a better chairman in English football than Steve, uh, Steve Gibson at the moment. That there probably isn't one. Um, with Steve Gibson, it was a couple of things that you mentioned there and that, and it, the, the, the word prudence came into mind for me. Um, and what prudence is essentially being able to make the right call time and time again. Um, if if Steve Gibson had incredible, if he was incredibly prudent, he wouldn't be a millionaire. He'd be a billionaire. Um, if Middlesbrough wouldn't be in the championship, would be the top six Premier League team um, because he'd be able to make the right call time and time again. Um, but no one has that. You know, like That's very, true. very, very. It's very, very rare. Maybe Warren Buffett. You know, who's, who's again, who's, he's made a lot of mistakes in terms of like the stock market, but he's made, made all of his money back. Yeah. Um, it, it, but what I was trying to think is if Middlesbrough haven't, and I was going, I kind of want to touch on Chris's question as, as well. But Middlesbrough had only have taken a step back um, as, as a football club, and I mentioned it with a call of Ollie as well. That you can have all the recruitment. Um, Faults. Um, you can you can have the best training ground. You can have the best players in those positions. And you can have the best manager in the world. Um, but if your compass is facing the wrong way, your goal is going to take a, a lot longer than if it, it was facing the right way. Um, I think at the moment Mills' compass is just a bit off. Um, we're not backwards as a club, and quite financially, we're we're in a best place where we've ever been at. Um, but I think right now, as, as a club, I think under Tony Pulis, I think we're going we're going to get to our goal eventually. Um, but the compass is facing the wrong way at the minute. Um, it, I don't think Gibson's finished yet. I don't think he's he's gonna step aside. And I think he's he's still passionate about the game as well. He's going. I think he's today it was that that um, chairman's that chairman's meeting, whatever it is with the AFL, where like he complained about um, Aston Villa, Chef Wednesday, and yeah. Derby. Um, so his, his passion's still there. And, you know, he hasn't. Yes, he hasn't made the the right choices over like the last couple of. 
couple of years, but Jesus Christ, like name someone who hasn't made a mistake, you know what I mean? Um, but it's, uh, I think he's still the right man. I think he's still the right man to take us forward. But if we want to get our compass back on track, I think we, I think we have to change up a little bit and invest in something that might take a little bit longer. Um, but if we want to be in the Premier League again, I think that's probably the the, the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, you could criticise Stu Gibson, but there's no other, you know, chairman that I'd want to, you know, kind of be in charge of this football club. It's it's that cliche, isn't it? Be careful what you wish for. And yeah. I certainly wouldn't want anybody but Steve Gibson that's at the helm. That's the thing, like you're saying, obviously, about, you know, um, us not being, you know, he's, he's only a millionaire, not a billionaire. Yeah, we could come in and get some foreign owners, but, um, and end up, you know, doing the Wolves. But it's it's a thing where I, I think, all Borough fans appreciate that Steve Gibson is a fan of the club himself. Yeah. Um, you know his, his nephews played for the club. You know he he loved it. He he loved it that much. You know he decided to buy us out when we nearly became extinct. Um, you know obviously with the consortium as well. But um, he spent a lot of money in over the years. Um, I think we've said before because I think this question got asked before, and obviously like you know we're quite fair. You know when he deserves criticism, you know we say it, but we I don't yeah. think we'd ever say. You know, um, I think it's it's over because we know how much he, he cares about the club. And like you said, you're not going to get 100% of the decisions right. Um, and you know, if it was ever to get in a situation where, um, you know, the money dries up and we become in, you know, um, anything like administration or anything like that, he would never ever let the club go. We would come become extinct. Um, whereas another club, another owner, you know, we might end up like Leighton Orient and playing in, you know, the fifth division or something. Um, it would never go that way with, with you know, uh, with Steve Gibson. He, he'd sell up if he had to, and he'd make sure he'd get the best deal for the club. He wouldn't have someone buying it who would, you know, would make it worse. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say, well, um, he's he's not def- he's definitely not immune to criticism. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's definitely not the the savior of, of all saviors, but um, if he gets it wrong, he's, he has to open himself up to criticism, unfortunately, and. I mean, he's going to have to come and answer that eventually. You know, to the end of the season, um, he's going to be criticised by a lot of uh, by a good section of fans to an extent. But I think deep down, like everyone th- everyone thinks it would be stupid not to think that he's the right man to take the club forward as well. Don't think Tony Pulis is, but I think Steve Gibson hundred percent is. Um, Els, I was going to move on to you a little bit more. Um, the question that um, was submitted, and it was more or less on the lines of the, the Premier League. Um, um, you you made the question of saying uh, when will we be in the Premier League again um, and if we are who is going to look after the necessity of recruitment recruiting foot, uh, recruiting footballers instead of recruiting horses <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so thanks for the question Pete um, we'll answer it um, so obviously I think in terms of the Premier League um, obviously we, we you know we spoke about it a bit here but um, if I have to say my gut feeling on it, really, um, I think it's going to be a few years away. You know, you know, that might surprise me. We might end up, you know, beating Leeds in the semi-final of the playoffs and beating Villa in the playoff final. But you know, I think it's it, it's pretty unlikely. So I think obviously if we do um, go this way of you know building a whole new sort of you know recruitment model, financial model, you know way of playing, um, I think you know two, three years, four years maybe. Um, but it, you know it can be done pretty quickly. You see, I think Fah came in the end of uh, sorry the beginning of last season, and that's only took two seasons to sort of implement and stuff. So you know it could be a lot quicker than we think. Um, in terms of recruitment, um, as much as I think we'd all like to see a director of football or you know a, a role like that, um, 
sorting out recruitment at the club I think it's probably still going to be um, the same way it's done at the moment with kind of the chief exec um, liaison with the manager and kind of going from there um, I think that's it I don't know if you guys have any kind of other things on, on what would change in terms of recruitment or how long you think it's going to be until we, we get promoted really or? Mm-hmm. that's a million dollar question isn't it really yeah. go on are you going to say something no I mean I've um you know, been thinking about it like next season, looking kind of forward to the future, and I think it is going to be kind of a, a, a process that requires patience. And um, I certainly, if we if we miss out on the playoffs, I certainly don't expect us to go straight up next season. I mean, I would love that to happen, and I honestly have my heart <coughs> hope that it does happen. But I mean, you've got to kind of look at the context. You know, Borough will probably be without a manager um, if you know the kind of noises coming out of wherever they're coming out from um, are, are correct in that you know Tony Pulis does leave um, in the summer uh, and then you know I, I just don't feel as though we're in a position to strengthen the squad as much as maybe people hope and, and a lot of people are going on about um, you know Jukanovic I don't think we'll go in for a manager like that and even if we do you know you've got to kind of get the right players to fit that manager we, we don't have the right players for Jukanovic um, so it is definitely going to be a you know a process that does kind of require a little bit of patience and um, it'll, yeah I, I agree with Eddie I think it'll probably be a, a few years um, although I hope it's a lot sooner uh, and we're in the, the Premier League a lot sooner than uh, I'm, I'm anticipating. Yeah, I was going to pretty agree with it. It might be a take a couple of years, but I think we'll be back in there. Because the season's not over, we could still sneak in the playoffs yeah, and get promoted sure. this season, but it's not the be all end all if we don't. Um, yeah. But that, in terms of the recruitment side of things, I appreciate like some things might have to change, some more of the football side of things. I think commercially, the club's going to continue to grow anyway um, and continue to bring money in. Uh, I think the club's in like, a good position in terms of that front. Um, well, in terms of the football side of things, I think there's a, there's a couple of underlying problems that we need to be fixed. Um, but again, like that's just the million dollar question. When we'll be in the Premier League, couldn't tell you. Um, how do we solve the recruitment? It's a normal head of recruitment. But it's just more or less of uh, we could you could go down the route of like Brentford and being very statistic uh, st- statistical and um, trying to get the right players in who fit the right system if they leave get the same person who you've been tracking for three years and get them get them in as well because that's worked a treat with Brentford and they're only a couple of players away from being a very very good side next season. Um, but let's move on. Let's move to the final part. Let's talk chat about Reading. We spoke to Ollie. Um, earlier on this this evening um, they've been really poor this year um, and they've they've surprised quite a few people because we thought they'd be mid-table Paul Clem at the start of the season didn't work out got sacked new manager come in he's worked a little bit better uh, for them they're going to have a Portugal day and we end last, at, the end, uh, at the end of the season so to celebrate how well he's done um, but let's let's break them down Els, Dana um, what have you got from obviously the call with, El, uh, call with Ollie and your research as well yeah, so he, he kind of gave us a, a good insight, to be honest. Um, you know about uh, Jose Gomez. Um, obviously, Paul Clement. Um, you know, didn't do very well with them. Up, uh, I think he, he left in December, um, and they brought in Jose Gomez. Um, he'd been a bit of a journeyman in football. Um, Ollie described it as you know trying to build up his CV, been applying for jobs in England for quite a while. Um, finally, got um, his break at Reading. Um, we obviously mentioned, you know, what, you know about his style of play. Um, he said that he's, you know, he's trying to implement kind of a possession-based system. Um, he said it's not quite comparative to how uh, Yap Stam used to do it a couple of years ago. Um, he said that was quite conservative and playing it around the back, um, you know, playing out from the back and you know 
really sort of um, a long build-up play in a sense. Um, but you know, I think with Jose Gomez, it's more of an assertive style, uh, trying to get the ball forward, but you know, keeping hold of it um, and not just you know launching the ball forward. Um, he mentioned that since he's came in, I think in the form table, have been about twelfth or thirteenth, which is you know still a lot of you know work to do. But he, you know, he's kept them up. That secured. Um, Secured their championship survival um, last weekend. Um, oh, sorry, on, on Monday um, it would have been. Um, so you know, there's, there's definitely scope for them next season to, to build upon that. And if, like you say, if they get players in as well and they recruit well, um, I think you know we were saying to him that it could be in a situation of what we are saying a lot of. You know, that project um, Jose Gomez could have. You know, scouts in in Portugal right now. Um, you know, looking to pick up. Um, young players and uh, players who you know maybe going under the radar a bit, um, or maybe even the teams he's been at because he's he's managed in uh, Hungary and uh, in the Middle East. So um, yeah, I think it's a an interesting prospect for them. Hasn't been a great season this year, but I'm you know kind of glad to see that they've you know survived. Um, I think out of some of the clubs in the Championship, they're, you know, they're a lot bigger than some of the clubs that um, do go down usually. Um, so yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Dana, I know you found an interesting stat about Reading as well. Um, well what have you found? Yeah, uh, I had a look at kind of the yeah, statistics style of things in there. They've actually failed to win 17 of their last 18 away games in the Championship. Oh, well, that's, that smells for screw then, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, obviously our form at the, at the Majeski isn't great, but to flip that at, at Borough um, over the past, like, I think six meetings we won uh, four out of our last uh, well yeah four of those six uh, the last time they beat us was in 2014 uh, Simon Cox scored in the in the seventh minute um, just looking at that team as well uh, Seb Hines was still uh, playing for us then and uh, yeah he started that game good old Seb Hines <laughs> I know yeah um, to, to be fair like with Thomas Mahers and goal Kenneth Omaru Demir remember him right back yeah uh, Oh, Lee Tomlin Kike. Luke Williams came on. Dean Whitehead as well. Dino. Dino. They had Jamie Mackey and he actually didn't score against us for once. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it all kind of <laughs> boils down to that stat. Will Redding kind of get that away victory or will Borough kind of continue that woeful, uh, <laughs> the woeful form on the road? I think that they've got they've got some players um, that you know um, well we know quite well, but also players we've been linked with or played um, played for us. So that they have Lewis Baker. Um, they do play in a four-two-three-one, which maybe doesn't surprise me with you know trying to implement that possession-based um, system. But you know Lewis Baker, um, Tyler Black at left back, who we've been linked to. Um, they've got Matt Miazga. Um, I think he's on loan from Chelsea. Um, uh, the top scorer is Maite Meita. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. Uh, he plays kind of in one of the central attacking midfield positions. Um, Ovi Ajaria, I'm guessing that. I think that's a Liverpool loanee. Ajaria. Um, Came from Rangers. Yeah. Um, and more Barrow. Um, Ollie said that he might start up front um, with Nelson Oliveira and the other main striker. His name eludes me at the moment. But um, with them two being injured, it could be more Barrow. Or potentially even a, a young lad called Danny Lauder who's only eighteen, he might get a start up front if more Barrow um stays out wide or, you know, plays in that cam position. So um, you know, they've got 
you know some half decent footballers. Um, if they come in and you know they're, they're safe now, they haven't got much to play for. They, you know they can try out you know any new styles and tactics that they want to do. If they, you know they keep building on it, then it could potentially be a difficult game for Borough. Well, fair enough. Um, let's do predictions and uh, squads, and if, unless you've got anything else. Well, I was just going to mention um, you know they've got quite a few from from set pieces. That any of their goals have been. Uh, score from set pieces which you know amounts to 25% of their total goals um, they do have a, a taller team than, than Middlesbrough so how be, uh, how it's does only a little bit how it? does a team have a, a top how is someone taller than Middlesbrough football club how <laughs> how of the Giants yeah um, I don't know the exact it, it was only somewhere else I seem to have lost it but um, yeah they, they do have a slightly taller team um, so disgrace so disgrace um, but in, t- in terms of the, the match predictions and the, and the score the scores lineups and all that kind of fun stuff um, Dan have you got your team pretty much sorted I do yeah um, yeah Randolph in goal I think that's actually no it's not the same team as the last game I've got Downing in there uh, but yeah Randolph in goal um, Shotton McNair and Flint as uh, the back three with House and, and uh, Stuart Downing as the wing backs and then Savile, Mikel and Besic um, in the middle. And then, um, you know, Fletcher and, and Britt up front. Fair enough. I'd, I'd go with the exact same lineup here. Um, I think it was kind of the same one that we put for the Stoke one, really. I think we both kind of favoured yeah. down in, um, in that wing-back position rather than, than Savile. And, and, you know, the first highlight I've seen from uh, the Forest game was uh, someone getting in behind Savile. And I, I just, yeah, I, I just don't yeah. think he can he can play that role um, as well. I mean, ideally, I wouldn't have down in there either. I'd have an actual left-back or a left-wing-back who's, you know, um, used to playing that position. But... Yeah, I think um, Downing definitely better there. Um, so yeah, I'd go that same lineup. In an ideal world, I would like Jed Spence to play right back and Nathan Wood to play in centre half, um, with Flint and Shotton um, put down the left back. And then I was going to put Johnny House in centre midfield with Mikel and Bezic and with Fletcher and Britt. But realistically, I'm probably going to go with your lineups as well and play down and wing back and play southern midfield. I mean, uh, to be fair, we don't have a lot of choice, do we? I mean, the, the, yeah. the defensive situation is kind of forced. Say, it's, 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 it's kind of that 3-5-2 that and then the, the three on the bench is basically um, Tav, Hugel and um, someone I'm missing out on because down in, I think in the Stoke game it was down in, down in Tav and, um, and Hugel who all came on. It was, it was going to be predictable really, but it'll be sort of similar okay. uh, score predictions we still go on the same score line from the podcast of Ollie uh, we've all said 1-0 yeah 1-0 one yeah. one one okay well that wraps it up then um, so as always uh, thank you very much for listening to the Bora Breakdown podcast um, like share subscribe um, tag a friend um, rate us 5 star um, on iTunes that really helps us get found um, in the rankings but also helps you and extra Bora fans um, find the Bora Breakdown podcast as well I'm going to leave you on a question as well. Do you think Middlesbrough have taken a step back um, since I or Karanka's era? Um, in terms of, not just financially, but in terms of a club in general, um, do you think we've taken a step back? Um, but that's the Borough Breakdown podcast. We'll be back next week um, to break down the game against Reading and discuss pretty much the end of the season. Um, but thank you very much for listening and up the Borough.